Good morning and welcome to Coffee Talk Podcast. This is Anne and today we're going to be talking with my girl Liz Brown. She is a fire captain for Cal Fire and she's been in the fire service for a whopping 26 years. Um, so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you very much and I want to note that I started the fire service when I was four years old. <laughs> yes, four years old. Me too, me too. Um, I have a, a couple of things that we wanted to talk with you today, but how did you get into the fire service? Like what, what piqued your interest? I actually wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. From when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. And, and uh, unfortunately, I was raised by a single mom. Well, not unfortunately, but she didn't have any money to send me to college. So that was always going to be on my own. And senior year in high school, they came around offering EMT and a bunch of other ROP courses. I went to um, AHA school just outside of East LA and raised by a single mom. There's four of us. I was the youngest of four. So college was not necessarily going to be a thing. And I didn't have the perfect grades to get into college know, yeah. uh, on a scholarship. So they came around and offered us an RP class, a bunch of different classes. And one was EMT and it said it was emergency medical technician. And I'm like, wow, that could be good for a college resume. Maybe that would help me. Yeah. And they said it was free. So I'm like, oh, I like that. My mom does not pay for it. <laughs> yep. And uh, so I did. So I enrolled in it and it was after school. And the instructor was a Pasadena fireman. And he uh, we started doing the class. I'm like, this is really interesting. I really liked it. And, and I'm 17 and a half learning all these terms and words. And yeah. I kind of felt like Doogie Howser a little bit, but not as smart. And <laughs> so I, I, uh, we got to do ride-alongs with his department, which was amazing. And so yeah. my mom took me in and I did a ride-along. And, and one of the biggest impressions I had from that fire department was like they kind of talk smack to each other the way my family did. I'm like, okay. And they were super nice. And they were all white men, first off. Yeah. All white men, <laughs> all had mustaches. And I'm a 17-year-old girl, like Mexican kid, like, oh my God, this is super <laughs> uber intimidating. And then the bell goes off. I was there about half an hour. And they're asking me questions, being very nice. The bell goes off, and I didn't know what to do. And I'm looking around, and they're like, all right, let's go. Get on the engine. I'm like, okay. So I run on the engine, um, and I look like an owl at night. My <laughs> eyes were just huge, and the sirens going off, and people are pulling over. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I want to do. This is amazing. And it was still had the medical component that I was pa super passionate about as a kid. But we're outside yeah. in a cool environment. And I was hooked, and I've been doing it ever since. I love – I am such an outside baby. Yeah. Like, I've always loved working out um, in the industry. That's been one of my biggest draws. Mm -hmm. I obviously love caring for people. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, but I just loved the outside and the doing stuff. Like we learned through the first time I went to an Explorer meeting when I was like 15, 16, we did extrication yep. and I'm like, what? You can get paid for doing Like you could do this for a living. This yeah. is rad. And up to that point, we I had the same thought. Like yeah. we never learned that stuff no. in school. You they know, never had fire engines come to my school right. and show us right. about the fire. Nothing, nothing like that. So no, it was it was awesome, and and I'm like, how do I do this? What do I need to do? And, yeah. and they're like, oh well, look for an explorer program where you live, and and my my city had one, and I yeah. joined the explorer program the next week. It was pretty cool. So for us, when we were in explorers, we had a couple of paramedics um, and EMTs that were part of at the time uh, American Medical Response AMR and Redlands, and they had an explorer post. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like for you being explorers and, and how did that shape your career and how passionate you still are, it seems about what you do today? You know, um, the neighborhood I grew up in was not a great neighborhood. You know, I'm from a lower socioeconomic yeah, neighborhood and, too. and, uh, so I, we had one black family in El Monte and we had one white family and that was it. The rest was Hispanic. Wow. <laughs> so, so in that, I remember going to my first Explorer meeting. I knew I wanted to do that. I just, it like triggered something. So the first Explorer meeting, 
the advisor, you know, I'm there and I'm learning about it. And, and he's, and he said the one thing that I've carried with my, in my whole entire fire service career, which was shocking to me at the time. So keep in mind that lower socioeconomic neighborhood. Yeah. He comes in and he's like, okay, you know, this is what, this is what the fire service represents. And he holds out his wallet and he says, my wallet, I can leave on this table and I can yeah. come back in four days and my wallet will still be there. Wow. And that, to me, being a 17-year-old kid, mind blown. Yeah. Because yeah. in the neighborhoods that we grew up in, that knew right. cannot happen, would never happen. Like, right. that made such an impact of the trust. That was probably one of the best things anyone could have told me that, like, was like, oh, my God, this is something bigger than me and I yeah. want to be a part of it. Yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. And, and that's I, what I carry today. I, I grew up in the same type of neighborhood um and I remember the explorers just being this place my friend said hey come with me you owe me a favor and we showed up there and then you know I had a pink shirt on and ribbons in my hair like totally not what you wear if you know anything about the fire service right. it's not acceptable right? right but I I didn't know anything about it and so yeah. it kind of and it needs to be acceptable head. actually yeah well I'm I'm working on that yeah. so for a long time I had yeah. ribbons in my hair <laughs> all the time I've kind of got out of that now yeah. that I'm in my 30s and stuff but um, I really appreciate, uh, t- to me, when we first met, the the willingness that these guys had in showing us as young women, kind of how um, how we could make a life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That was different than what, and yes. to that point, society yes. had told us we were capable of. Correct. Um, they didn't go easy on me because I was a girl when we were lifting patients out of cars mm-hmm. or doing any kind of C spine, and when we were doing PT in the morning, they said, "Hey, no, you're going to do this. We're going to be able to do it together. Mm-hmm. Let's finish strong." And I think. That yes. that uh, community that they built yes. and that pushing us and allowing us to believe in ourselves mm-hmm. um, and not saying, well, it's okay, you can you know finish later or maybe next time, but just saying, hey, look, it, we want you to finish with us and we want you to finish strong has always really played a huge part in me feeling like I'm part of the team mm-hmm. and then believing that I could do it. That and I could and wanting to do better so you could finish strong with the team as opposed to right. lagging behind by not pushing yourself. It's it's kind of that reciprocity yeah. of mindset. And I did always appreciate that about the fire service is that I was never the fastest. I always carried weight. I've always been pudgy. It's just my makeup. That's how I am. I do. I got curves. Curvy. But, right. But at the same time, it certainly hasn't hindered or been less, made me less effective in my job. And that's... Yeah. That's one of the things that I think people do need to understand. Not saying that I'm not healthy. I work out and I do things, you know, I run, I, I do all that, but I'm never ever going to be a six foot three, yeah. 200 pound white male. It's all just right. not going to happen. All right. But that's what the fire service creates our fire engines around and our agilities around. Yeah. So if you're not in that demographic, you have to do other things mm. to be relevant and to be effective. Yeah. yeah. And thank God we do have standards. We, we all need, society needs standards. Yeah. However, we don't need to make impossible standards to not allow a cross-section of the community to participate in serving their community. That, to me, doesn't even make sense. Right. It's nonsensical when you say it out loud. Yeah. And then giving people the tools if they are not six foot three. Right. <laughs> right? Because you still have shorter guys that are out there that yes. still need to meet that standard. Giving them the tools mm-hmm. that they need in order to be successful, regardless yep. of how they're physically built. Right. That they can have that technique and yes. learning that technique to be better at whatever yes. that requirement is, that standard is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Um, One of my big questions is, uh, you know, being in this industry for a long time, 
kind of working with different people, uh, working on private ambulance, working for a fire department, working in education. I, I have always had uh, great difficulty in filling the space that I'm supposed to be in, right? Yeah. And as a captain, you really don't have that choice. Your team is looking to you to really lead them, and whether it's safety or you know building up the team or co- accomplishing an objective or a goal, um, how have you been able to address that, being comfortable, <coughs> uh, whether it be as a female, when you were younger, being a younger female in the fire service, um, and, and all the leadership roles that you've taken on over the years, how do you fill that role and be comfortable still being yourself, really, as you fill that role? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't say that I'm ever 100% comfortable. I'm not. I feel like as I've gone through my serv- fire service career, I just have a better idea of my strengths and weaknesses. Mm. And so when I first got in the fire service, you know, everything's about assimilation. Yeah. You know, and I was no different from that. You know, I always wore T-shirts. I always tried to look masculine and not like in any sexual orientation way, just in I want to be part of your cool group. Please yeah. let me in. Look at me. I look like you. And I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't. But right. but in my mind, I'm doing everything I possibly can to see how 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 much more can I softball me into your world? Yeah. How, how much more can I like wrap myself in pillows yeah. <laughs> so I'm not this hard wrecking ball? Yeah, yeah. And really, in reality. And I look back now and I see that was a survival skill. In no way, shape, or form did anyone mentor me saying I didn't have to do that. Right. But that wasn't the environment of, of being able to do that on my own. So if you had multiple people, multiple females at a fire station... And God forbid she, this other female didn't have a great reputation. You owned her reputation unless you separated yourself. And right. that, that kind of causes a cannibalistic environment, which I look back now and see I was absolutely a part of. And it was a survival skill. But we shouldn't even have to do that right. amongst each other. And right. so I, I no longer do that. But it wasn't uh, – I have a, uh, another really good friend of mine. She's been in the fire service longer than I have. And, and uh, she was full-time before I was. And, and I – She's from a Hispanic background as well. But what was so amazing about her, she had a, a very strong sense of self. She's about four years older than me. Yeah. She had a very strong sense of self. And we would go out, you know, and she kind of took me under her wing. So she was a mentor to me when I when she was still trailblazing herself. She was yeah. the first female at her department. So she didn't know what she didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. But I'm like, <laughs> she seems to be working, so let me kind of see I what she does. I have a friend like that, yep. <laughs> and, and one of the things that she did, and I was probably like probably mid-20s, um, I just would go out and she dressed very female and she'd act very feminine and just like, yeah. and I'm like, wow. And like she, we'd go out and she just super cute. And I'm like, she's like, you're a woman, be a woman. It's yeah. okay. And it's so interesting that she told me that. Cause it, I can see mile markers in my career where I started to say I'm a female and it's okay. So as a fire captain, Um, You are responsible for a team and your leadership really sets the tone for the day and a call. Um, So how have you used uh, your idea of leadership uh, to help your team be successful uh, throughout your career and especially now as a a captain? Well, I think we really have to look at what makes a leader. Authority doesn't make a leader. What makes a leader is someone that I want to follow because I like what they say, I like what they think. I like how they do things. I trust them. Leadership is about trust, and that takes time, and it takes patience to build trust, and that's through relationships. So for me, trying to be a leader to my crew, I try to integrate ways to build their trust, whether it's taking on a task and I do it with them, 
or if they have a need or concern or problem, I acknowledge it and address it. Right. And I may not feel it rises to the level of importance of what I would determine it to be. However, I'm not here to judge necessarily what's important to them. I'm here to judge if it's important to the mission and if this employee says this is important to me and I can't effectively do my job because this is an issue then I need to address it as a leader right and so then I will address it as a leader and doing that daily over a period of time it builds trust and and when I first came onto my crew uh, my paramedic he didn't have uh, he had a had a captain but the captain would always go on fire assignment so he didn't have that day-to-day trust building so when we first came together I'm telling him you can trust me I'm gonna be here for you he wasn't able to trust it because we didn't have that relationship you know formed yet and over time we've gone there now we have a great working relationship I trust him he trusts me so we have that reciprocity so when I say do something he he does it I don't have to worry about is he really gonna do it is he gonna question it happens and and that's a great place to be because now we're all more effective and I just think in the fire service I'm not here to say what I want as Liz Brown. I'm here to say what the fire service needs. How can me as a captain make that happen? Is my crew ready to grow? Is my engine ready to go? Is Are my tools ready to go? Are all those pieces together? And same thing on the fire ground. I have to take into consideration so many moving parts and then we have you know the rescue itself or the fire itself. So there's this interesting dynamic going on with all these moving parts and it's hard and that's what makes it great is not everyone can do it and so as you look at leadership in the fire service anyone that we've ever respected or outside of the fire service just any career at all you always remember the person that talked to you about a problem you had or addressed an issue in a helpful way as opposed to just an ass chewing right and so for me, what I have found, all the all the pieces of information that I've carried with me throughout my career are always people that pulled me aside, didn't beat me up for something, and said, hey, look, think about this next time. Consider this. That is so much more powerful than someone yelling at me because in the fire service, you're used to people getting upset. You deal with upset people all the time, whether it's a citizen or, you know, uh, um, a, a co-worker upset about something. Yeah. I absolutely, um, I agree. I think the people that have really sat back in my life and and even personally people that have come into my life that didn't necessarily come in like a wrecking ball and tell me everything that I was doing was wrong or this or that but actually saw the needs of my life um, or saw the needs of a situation and took time to just sit back and observe and then based on their observation shared what was needed or even to make go a step further and actually feel the need that they saw in my life or in the situation. Those are the people, whether or not they have the title, that I see as leaders. But it does take a certain quality of um, sitting back and being observant and to really allow the, the space to kind of do what it does and then, then as a leader fill in that gap and fill in that need. I think um, for me, the people that do that the best are the people that I look up to the most and that I wanna follow regardless of what their title is. I think that's really neat. I think so too, and I, like I said, I have, and we talked about this a while ago, where the people that I felt gave me the best mentorship actually came from relationships. Their wives were strong, independent women, and so they recognized something in me that just needed a little direction and delivered it in a way that I really respected and was able to take it and integrate into my 
career and has made me better. So I've always noticed that, you know, people, for me as a female leader in the fire service, people that took interest in me came from strong relationships with independent women. So I certainly have appreciated that. Yeah. Well, we are running out of time. I know it's a quick 15 minutes. Um, But before we go, I wanted to kind of ask you, because you've been doing this, you know, for 26 years. Obviously, you have a huge passion for uh, the fire service and being a first responder. Um, What are some of your visions or what is your vision for the future of the fire service? What are some things that you would like to see come to pass um, in the future? You know, for me, my one wish for the fire service truly is that we have the right person for the job. And that doesn't always mean the person that can do 100 pull-ups and runs a three-minute mile and has, you know, the biggest muscles necessarily. Um, It truly is the right personality. This job is very selfish. It takes a lot of support from everyone else around you. And if you do not truly have a passion to serve people, you're going to have a very frustrating fire service career. It's not about the ego. It's not about your hero status and how you feel about your place in society as a hero because that actually isn't the case when you're on that call and you're dealing with feces or communicable <laughs> yeah. diseases. That's the last thing you feel is being a hero. Yeah. Um, however, having the ability for the fire service to be accessed to the masses so we truly get the best people for the job, whether it's male, female, whatever that looks like, the best person is my hope and not have it be this tight society with only access to a certain demographic of people. No, I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, as the fire service expands to be all risk, you know, many departments uh, all over the place recognize that they provide a service to their community, whether it be getting into, you know, medical care or rescue or hazmat or um, any kind of tactical stuff that we're getting into now. We just recognize that we want to be a service to our community when they need us. Uh, We're the ones you call. Uh, that we actually will need people with different skill sets. We were talking about, you know, information technology and how technology is so integrated into everything we do. And so we need those technological experts that are going to be able to help us bridge that gap between our skills and our tools and the technology that we can use to make our response better and more well-rounded. So uh, thank you so much, Liz, for your time today. We appreciate everything. I can't say what it means like to sit here with you after knowing you and running calls with you um, to kind of get your get inside your head a little bit and, and to hear about what it means to be a leader and what got you into the fire service. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Coffee Talks. Uh, I hope the podcast resonated with you and you're walking away with something great. And uh, I hope you tune in next time. Have a good day.